After watching his brother get paralyzed in a vicious kickboxing match, Kurt Sloan learns the art of Muay Thai to get his revenge. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Jay. I'm Connor Izagari. Welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bed. All right, today we are talking about one of Action Star, Jean Claude Van Damme's more well known uh, films and his extensive filmography, Kickboxer. Uh, While the film was box office success enough to warrant a still actually ongoing franchise, and um, considered by many fans of 80s action cinema, specifically Van Damme's, um, to be one of his better films, uh, it would get annihilated by critics who found the film dull and dumb, to uh, point out at least two things I caught my eye from the critics' perspective. Uh, on that note, I will pass over to you, Connor, to say what you thought, even though it sounds like you hated it, so go on. I will say this. We did Kickboxer on the wrong show. I fucking love this. <laughs> this movie kicked ass. And I do... I, I wish we'd vetted it a little bit more because this feels more like a filmgasm than it does a Beyond the Bat. This was a really cool movie. So, I just want to say this is mostly based off uh, the the list that you made. Yeah. I just go off it, so you should have vetted better. I just compile a list. You are doing everything else. So it's a little bit more on you, I would say. It's 100% on you. You regardless, regardless, it's a pretty good movie, and you, you, should be, you should be happy about that. I am because I thought it was pretty good, also. Yeah, look at my if you see my loader box, I think I gave it like three and a half out of five. So did I. This is sporting a 36% Rotten Tomatoes score out of 11 reviews, so not really that fair, and a 64% audience score. There is no critics' consensus because not enough people could be bothered to review this, but. I get why this has a fan following. This is a cool movie. I mean, it's a complete ripoff of the Karate Kid and Rocky, but I don't fucking care. I enjoyed this. This was this was neat. Yeah, like I'll uh, I'll get into it. Uh, this I'm not going to get into it now, but uh, our not going to ask question yet. But you know, kind of beef up what my fun question will be. Um, you know, when you look at like the '80s action scene, you know, we don't talk about it a lot, obviously, because most of the time we're talking about horror or something, but you know, besides that, I am a massive fan of the eighties action scene. Um, and obviously you have your, you know, your Stallones, you have your Schwarzeneggers and to an extent, your relatives, even though Die Hard came out in like 88, it was like the tail end of the eighties. Um, but you know, you got these, like the big dogs, you know what I mean? And there is, un, you know, let's just be honest, there's a hierarchy almost right. That audiences have made critics have deemed, you know, in their heads and Below them are your people like Sean Claude Van Damme, your Chuck Norris's, your Steven Seagal's. You know, I think I don't get his following whatsoever. But you know, you have the guys below them that were pretty also steady with what they were doing. I would argue Van Damme probably being the most popular out of those three I just mentioned. I mean, he had looking at his I'm to be, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a well known one that people like. People really like. I was like, it actually struck me. When I was doing this and I was on the IMDb kind of pulling up some stuff for the 12 and oh, how much stuff I'm looking going, oh yeah, man, to check that out. I've heard that's good. Like he had a lot of movies that like 
are considered like pretty entertaining, not like action classics, but they're entertaining, you know. Lionheart, right? Um, Bloodsport obviously is like probably one of his most probably his top five for many people. Um Universal Soldier, obviously, Time Cop, like all the stuff. I'm like, oh, I've been meaning to watch all these, you know, they're really good. Um Kickboxer was always on there as one. I was like, oh, I've heard a lot about this. And yeah, watch, I get it. It's you know, it's not like I said, it's yeah, it's a rip off cried kid. It's not asking to be the next great thing, but it's just saying, like, hey, enjoy this movie. Just what I love most about a lot of like certain films, I know you're not as into as I am, but they're like, hey, turn your brain off and just enjoy the ride. And that's what this movie does. Okay, you snuck a backhanded compliment in there, I think. Yeah, nice. You're welcome. Like spookies. <laughs> my God. <laughs> let let things go. There's there's my advice. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. No. I god damn it. Yeah, the eighties action scene was was special. I, I said I said it recently somewhere. I don't know if it was on an episode or just chatting in general, but I said like there's a bad movie and then there's a bad movie from the eighties. It's it's a different animal. They're they're ever like eighties movies were just fun. They were crazy. They were energetic. They were memorable. They often had a great soundtrack, and they were just you know probably the result of like three or four sleepless nights of just endless coke binges. And you can tell sometimes that a, a slow and steady hand did not write this. <laughs> and that's you know that's fine. It's the eighties, but um, that hierarchy you were talking about. You know, that all comes from box office. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the king. I think he's like the most successful like box office star of all time. And then, you know, Sylvester Stallone was right with him. Bruce Willis towards the tail end. But then you've got these, you know, the lesser ones, I guess. Jean-Claude Van Damme, he was, you know, he had his following, but he never had the box office success of Stallone or Arnold. Mm. And then there's, you know, Chuck Norris just didn't care. He did his own thing. And Steven Seagal, I want to reiterate this, became famous on a bet. Like, look that story up. It's true. <laughs> and some guy was like, I bet I can turn any schmuck into a movie star. And his buddy's like, you know what? I know a schmuck who teaches karate downtown. <laughs> and boom, Steven Seagal. <laughs> I got your schmuck right here. Yeah, basically. It was like trading places, but for real. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I love 80s movies. Because even the bad ones are watchable. And the 90s didn't have that, like, the 70s and before definitely didn't have that. When a movie's bad, you fucking know. But the 80s is this weird little bubble where everything kind of worked, even if it didn't work. It's hard to explain. You you either know it or you don't, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, going back to my backhand compliment, but, you know, there's plenty of horror films, obviously, from the 80s. I'm like, this shouldn't work, but I'm having a hell of a time. Like, nothing about this film should work, but I'm having such a good time. It's a weird thing that only seems to capture in the 80s. I think is what happens that they weren't going for that. You know, they talk about that a lot with these guys who, like, the directors and stuff. They get interviewed, and they talk about that a lot. They're like, we weren't trying for that. We were just trying to make a movie, and people latched onto it, which is, you know, I think the issue a lot of times going forward is now that everyone tries to just purposely make that type of film. It's like, you can't purposely make it. It just happens. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a vibe. It's a certain je ne sais quoi. You just, you, it, it exists when it, in a t- certain time and place. And then after 1989, it was gone. Yeah. 
like you know, like uh, God, going for horror fans, right? With you know, obviously the cult following that surrounds something like Spookies. If you purposely try to make that, it wouldn't work. The reason that film works for so many people is because that is a case of we'll get into it one day on this show on that one, but that's just a case of literally trying to get a film made and literally trying to get it finished and hoping for the best. And people latched on. Like now it would be like we gotta do it on purpose because ha 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 wink wink wink. And it's like, no, fucking stop. Yeah, I think of a film like Maximum Overdrive, you know, directed by Stephen King, who took his own project into his own hands, snorted three or four lines and thought, I am a director now. And got Emilio Estevez and a bunch of 80s names to be in this movie with an ACDC soundtrack where they're attacked by killer trucks. Sounds ridiculous. It's so stupid. It's a great watch. They remade it in the 90s as trucks terrible fucking movie it's it's an 80s bubble movie and there's so many of those it's the best it's my favorite decade for film because everything exists in that time and place like there's no you could not make back to the future in the 90s and i know back to the future 3 came out in 1990 but fuck you they filmed it in 89 <laughs> so also, it was the third film in an ongoing franchise so i mean it's all part of that that thing it's yeah it's it's crazy I, I love it. Yeah, no, 80s, like I said, I, I never talk about 480s is probably for me, probably my favorite decade. Um, of cinema. It's hard because I, 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 I pretty much like there's a little bit of everything I like about each decade of cinema from the very beginning. You know what I mean? Like 70s was the Artur uh, decade where we really got visionaries coming out. And then, you know, 80s was like we just talked about anything goes. 90s, I'll say it, I've said it before, I'm saying it again, it's underrated shit. Um, at least, especially, I know, obviously, the horror, horror is dead thing. Fuck that. There's plenty of great horror films in the 90s. You just don't watch them. The thing with the 90s is that, you know, it got majorly influenced by, you know, the grunge scene and this kind of just vibe of, like, depression. So there's a lot more sadder films in the 90s. I mean, there's some fun movies, but nothing like the 80s. The 80s is all just like, you know, let's have a good time. Who cares if this is good? You're going to enjoy it. Like, where in what other decade could you have, like, a handful of movies about like teenagers skiing and like fighting a corporation. Like they did that kind of, that kind of movie like five times. All right. Well, there's the slasher, the slasher craze for Christ's sakes. Like they were like, look, people really like watching people get murdered at summer camp. We're just going to keep <laughs> making that. Yeah. And they're all classics. Like there was no, you know, Hey, you copied that in the eighties. They're all just like, Oh, you made a killer at summer camp movie too. Let's watch it. Yeah, it was, I miss that. I wish that we just maintained that through today. I mean, if the '80s had never ended, that would oh be cool. God. Yeah, like no, yeah, no one sat through Sleepaway Camp and went, "How dare you copy Friday 13? They went, "Oh, this one's cool too." And holy shit, that ending, which I'm not going to get into it now. I know there's a lot of, yeah, you know, yeah. both sides. Josh, Josh and I took care of that on film guys. Yeah, um, I just know that I'm a big fan of it myself, so I like it. Um, the movie like the movie i do think the whole pedophile thing's like really fucking weird <laughs> never <laughs> yeah that part's weird that part i'm like why is this okay 80s uh it was also uh, a decade where i i do believe every idea got greenlit nothing got left on the cutting room floor anytime you had an idea somehow it ended up in the movie because everyone was on coke yeah it's the best it was a vitamin that helped you make better movies 
I'm all boring. Don't do coke. Um. <laughs> well, I kind of I hinted at the question earlier. So while we're on this, going back to that hierarchy, right? You know, these are quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes. So don't get mad at me. Lesser stars of 80s action cinema, right? Box office wise. All of these three gentlemen, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Chuck Norris, Steven Skull, who do you think comes out as the best based off what you've, the limited things you've seen and know? Uh, this is 100% Jean-Claude Van Damme. I mean, he he could do a split. No one else could do that. Yeah, and his, his splits look painful. Go on. Bloodsport is, that was my introduction to Jean-Claude, and I gotta say, it's a pretty fucking awesome movie. Bloodsport's cool. That's a fun watch. I haven't seen Bloodsport yet. I've been wanting to. It's very similar to Kickboxer. Uh, Bloodsport's based on a, a uh, at the time, true story that the writer then admitted, yeah, this didn't happen. But at the time, he was plugging like, yeah, I went to the I went to the Far East. I competed in this life or death martial arts tournament. I won, and then I wrote my story, and everyone was like cool and then somebody asked him like one question and he folded immediately <laughs> but um if you take you know without even with or without that it's an awesome movie and yeah i i love that you know he ended up playing the bad guy in the expendables 2 with the super creative name of jean valane yeah yeah i mean i honestly you know what i'm one of those that like switch with the first three expendables less so with the fucking third one with the first two, I I I was fine with that whole Jean Valane thing. So I'm like, look, they're supposed to be like this cheesy. It's the aging action source mixed with the new blood, right? Yeah. And I'm like, it works because it's so cheesy, which is what, a, as much as I love some of these films, some of them are cheesy. You know what I mean? Like some of them are cheesy in a good way, in a very good way. But it just, that's why it never bugged me. I was like, well, I, I get it. Like it, it kind of fits with what we're going with here. I actually think Expendables 2 is fucking awesome. Um and hey, we gotta assume do the round. I I still lose my shit when I assume do the roundhouse at his age. Yeah, and Expendables too. I think he was like in his sixties at that time. Yeah, fifties somewhere around there. In there, yeah. But it was really cool that he even you know came back. He's he's part of that crowd, and you know so is Chuck Norris. Seagal couldn't be bothered. He's limited up with Putin right now for some reason. Yeah, I think he's the only one that never came to the franchise. They were able to get Norris for two, also. Actually, I think that's also why I, t- I like too, because they even got like more people in. Yeah, yeah, I. Those are fun movies, but uh, yeah, in terms of the hierarchy, Jean Claude is is up there. People remember him. Like I, don't, I don't, I've never met anyone who's actually watched a Steven Seagal movie. Like they exist, but I don't know anyone who's actually seen any. I've had like the occasion person that tries to find like, oh, you guys see uh, things like executive action or like a insert random titled cigar film here. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you got to see this one and you'll get it. And I'm like, no, I won't. Cause this guy is not good. I'm like, his action sucks that I've seen on screen. His acting sucks. Like, there's no compelling reason for me to watch. Whereas I'm with you and John Claude Van Damme being the best. Like, I think. Based off the amount of like just hits he had, the following he has, I think the only thing that takes him down is he's kind of known to be a diva and have kind of a bit of an attitude to deal with. But movie wise and the fan following Van Dam, I think Chuck Norris is actually pretty close behind him though, just because like no he hasn't done I would argue he hasn't done as many well known action films, but it seems like the fucking fervor around him is strong though. That was when those you know weird jokes 
showed up. I don't know when that happened or why that happened, but that exploded and turned Chuck Norris into kind of a living meme. Right, which to his credit, he embraced. He didn't shy away from it. He was like, yeah, okay. Well, he sure he needed the career boost, frankly. I mean, Walker hadn't been on TV for quite a while. That's true. That's actually the reason I knew about Chuck Norris because my, uh, my grandma loved Walker, Texas Ranger. And I was like, who's this guy? And she's like, Chuck Norris. And then that's when I found he had, you know, missing in action and other stuff back in the day. I knew him as the guy from the Total Gym commercial. And uh, I still have not seen any of his movies. <laughs> I don't know if he, I don't think he's come back for the, like, I know Cedar rebooted Walker. I don't, I don't think he's shown up in the, in it to talk to Jared Padalecki. I think he's like in his late seventies. Yeah, but he's still fit as a fiddle. It's kind of scary. <laughs> Total Jim. There's something to that. I mean, him and Christy Brinkley were selling them, and they both don't age, so there might be something to that. <laughs> I remember I was I was watching a um, a compilation of the cheesiest movie quotes of all time, and Steven Seagal was on there at least five times, and one stuck with me, and told and from hearing this, I thought I'm never going to enjoy a single film by this son of a bitch. It was I think it was from either above the law or on deadly ground or one of those dumb fucking it was a somebody said like you can take that to the bank and he replied with i'm gonna take you to the bank to the blood bank i was like are you fucking kidding me you i bet he thought that was the most badass shit he could say (laughs) but this is why there's a hierarchy this is why there's a pecking order in the 80s action scene because everybody shits down and it all ends up on Steven Seagal. It all ends up on Steven. That's why his movies suck. Yeah, yeah. It like how no matter what, he is always just dead last in in the pecking order. He's even considered like the worst host Saturday Night Live has ever had. Like they've all said he's the worst he's the worst one because he was just such a prick. He refused to do any skit where he like lost a fight. Like he 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 doesn't make fun of himself. He thinks he's a like you know martial arts master and a cop, apparently, according to Tom Segura. Oh yeah, he had like a whole show. Yeah. He's just so delusional. He he lives in his own weird little world that like he surrounds himself with people who just reinforce that. And that's why he's living it up in Russia. I he's he's an enigma. He really is. He's yeah. yeah. I did. I'm sorry. I was just laughing at that Stephen uh, the Tom Segura joke because I do remember that joke when he talks about like the his replicates his karate. Yeah, you can block it like that. <laughs> I do feel he puts that much effort into it. Oh, he absolutely does. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I mean, look, like going to like the middle band this bunch, right? Like Chuck Norris. Like, yeah, you could probably argue he probably also doesn't really have the most illustrious career. But at least from what I've heard from various reports, it's that like he's a super nice dude, you know. He's you know great to work with. So like he's willing to make like we saw with the meme thing. He didn't sit there and get mad. Like stop making these memes. He embraced it. He completely embraced it. And when he did experimental too, he made Chuck Norris jokes. So like you know he's at least willing to have some fun. And I got you know personally, fighting Bruce Lee gives you major points. So I'll take I'll, I accept that too as like a That's big win for Chuck. Yeah, way of the dragon. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. So yeah. So you know, like 
No, you could argue like between Van Dam, obviously Van Dam has a more has had a slightly more successful career, probably. But at least Chuck Norris, like he's been able to float because the dude's just from what I understand, a really awesome guy. That's good. Yeah. If you're gonna have, I don't know if I I guess successful career. I'll say it fine. All right. <laughs> he, he's you know he's he's Chuck Norris. Like why wouldn't he be happy about that? But Steven Seagal's got to think every day like, oh, I'm Steven Seagal. No one takes me seriously. Oh, like you got to wake up and psych yourself up. That's that's a shit life. Chuck Norris is just you know. What's Chuck gonna do today? What's Chuck, what new Chuck memes on there in that today? How many total gyms am I gonna sell today? <laughs> I'm gonna go talk to my buddy John Claude. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I know Van Dam's pretty. From what I've heard, he's he's a pretty he's kind of a prick himself. From what I've heard, yeah, but he's got a few. He's got more decent movies. So well, I'll say he. Yeah, well, see, he 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 wins out due to the fact that he has a lot more hits under his belt, a lot more uh, fan favorite hits, and he was almost the predator. So, yeah, but one of those things is apparently he complained a lot. Yeah, they were like, "You're too short, get out of here." <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that would have derailed his career or increased it or what. I don't know. Probably nothing, because I don't think anybody would have realized it was him, and everyone would have thought, that monster's not that freaky in that Predator movie. I'll see something else. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But, uh, you know, he has a career he has. He has the hits. He has actually, several of his movies are still ongoing. Like I said, Kickboxer. Universal Soldier's been going for a strong while now. Yeah, but I don't think he's been in any of those. He hasn't been in any of the recent. I think he was in, like, one very recent one. And that was it. I know he's come back for like the last two kickboxer films that they did, and they're supposed to have like a third one coming out. So he's come back to that. I guess he really enjoys kickboxer. Um, I don't know how much he enjoys kickboxer. I think he just really enjoys having money. I mean, but he has done some like they did a movie a few years ago called JCVD. I hear a lot of things about that. Yeah, he plays himself and he's like locked in a bank during a bank robbery and he tries to like psych himself up to save the day or something i i'd like to see that i think that'd be cool i think it'd show a different side of this guy yeah one we don't get a lot one that doesn't take himself so seriously in film i mean he is one of the few like 80s action star who bleeds like he actually we see him get his ass kicked we don't see that a lot in a lot of the other guys well no i mean look you're gonna cast Schwarzenegger in the film you're not gonna see him bleed you don't see him kick ass Arnold took a laser blast to the arm in Predator that was blowing heads open not five minutes prior, and it didn't even phase him. He got, like, some minor burn. How, so, yeah, he doesn't bleed. That's how big his muscles are, all right? <laughs> blast <laughs> open Bill Duke's head, barely touched Arnold's arm. Look, to quote Jesse Ventura, he doesn't have time to bleed. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well, that's really all I had for that's more fun question this week. Um, my mind was kind of on other things, mainly when I came with the question um, that we talked about off camera. Oh yeah, yeah, but we we good we good now. Um, so with that, uh, unless we unless we want any more, I can go into another week of a relatively scant development hell. Yeah, let's um, see what happens. 
Mostly fun factoids, if I'm being completely honest. Scan our scant Wikipedia. Uh, so not much. So in case you probably didn't see it in the opening title sequence, um, Van Damme himself choreographed and directed all the film's fight scenes. Hmm. Impressive. Yes. Um, but and this actually goes nicely back to our question earlier. Before he was cast, the role ori- the role he played was originally supposed to be played by Chuck Norris. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I don't see. I don't. I mean, it would have made more sense for them to be brothers if it's Chuck Norris. I like they have that one line where he's like, you know, must have been hard growing up in Europe with mom. So it explains why he has a Belgian accent. His brother doesn't. Yeah. But yeah, I can see, you know, probably be easier with Chuck. <laughs> It'd be easier with Chuck. I just don't know if he could do the Muay Thai. Cause, I mean, obviously, Chuck had much more American fighting style in his movies. True, but he could do a roundhouse like nobody's business. That's true, too. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend Chuck Norris. I don't want to get beat up later. <laughs> he hears this. He's like, there's a disturbance in the forest. Someone doubts my abilities. Hilarious if I just see Chuck Norris like blast his way through your wall and then the- <laughs> it's just over. <laughs> Fucking Chuck Norris jokes. That was I-, I went hard on the Chuck Norris jokes in-, in middle school. I thought that was the funniest shit. I didn't even know who Chuck Norris was. I just thought that was so funny. Everyone thought it was funny. Those those jokes lasted years. Yeah. I had a ca- I had like a factoid of the day calendar. I had t-shirts. Like that was yeah, those were the days. Oh, God. <laughs> Simpler times. Yeah. Uh. Well, either way, we got we got Van Dam here again. Uh, choreographed after all the fight scenes, and I think I honestly I'll get more into it later, but I do think it shows in a positive way. Um, as for the film's villain, Tong Po, I probably should look how to say this, but I'm gonna try. Uh, M- Michelle. Michael DC forgive me for a horrendous translation uh who was a technical advisor and also a choreographer on such film uh overheard the production crew say and this is a quote no one coming after me for this word they overheard the production crew saying they were looking for a tall oriental looking guy with a background in Muay Thai again coming from the mouth of him I understand that that a certain word is not one to be said, but that is how it was described. Yeah, yeah, different time. I gotta, I gotta curb family members and just dropping the the odd O word. It's weird. Yeah, as soon as I typed it, I was typing this up and I was like, oh. I one up. I was like, this is literally how it was described. What they're looking for. I was like, it's the eighties, so of course they would use that damn word. <laughs> well, I mean, he, you know, he kicked ass. I mean, he was a freaky villain. Yeah, he was. I I really liked him. Um, those more fun facts with that though. So because you've heard, he did go ahead and volunteer, and obviously got the part. He's in the movie. Get this, he's from Morocco originally. So makeup was used to make him look more. Again, I'm just quoting from what I read. More Asian. Hey, that's. That's uh, I don't like that. This part was incredibly difficult to type because I'm like, none of this sounds good. None of this fucking sounds good. <sighs> they made it more Asian. That's well, you know, fuck it's the 80s. 
I'm sure that nobody at the time thought this is a bad idea. If anybody, they were like, oh, this is a great idea. Yeah, everyone was like, well, now he looks like he's from Bangkok. We did it. <laughs> I damn it. I know this is terrible, but I, I couldn't tell. Like, good makeup department. God damn it. <laughs> I was going to say, look, Bangkok's kind of like a, a melting pot, really, for for Thailand, for being honest, right? Like, there's a lot of different people of cultural stuff that go there. You could have just had him be Moroccan, and it would have still made sense. I would have expected that in a place like Bangkok. Yeah, I'm looking at what the guy really looks like, and... uh yeah, no, he does not look uh quote unquote Asian. But you know, whatever. This happens a lot. 80s. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. Uh now with that, more fun facts of it now related to him and Van Dam. Uh him and Van Dam, as we know, they're the enemies in the film, right? The whole movie is building towards their fight. Uh, they've actually both been very good friends since childhood, exchanging fighting techniques and trying their luck in Hollywood together. Um, and they had cooperated on two films before they did this one. Ha! That's cool. I didn't know Jean-Claude Van Damme had any friends. That's neat. Good for <laughs> good for them. Instead of him demanding to be in his show alone, he was like, I want my friend in there with me. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm glad that they both made it, I guess. I mean, yeah, sure. You know what? Yeah. This guy's a memorable villain. I've seen him in montages. Yeah, good work. Yeah. I mean, he's he's definitely imposing uh, villain, in my opinion. Like, you, you believe this guy's a fucking psychopath. Yes. Yes, you do. Uh... Again, this is just more fun fact. Oh, this is just me fun facts I pulled because <laughs> there was nothing. Um, so you remember the scene where he has to run from the dog with a piece of meat tied to his leg? Yes, that's based off a real life thing. Uh, apparently, Jean Claude Van Damme's teacher did the same thing to him when he was learning karate. <laughs> that's funny. Incredibly dangerous, but funny. Yeah. Uh. Teacher was to to counter your dangerous part. Uh, the teacher ordered he wear a protective suit suit and withstand the attempts of a trained dog to pull him to the ground. So he did have a protective suit. Now remember, this is probably before the '80s. So let's really think about how protective that suit was. Probably made of polyester. Oh, well, maybe that's why Jean Claude can do the split so well. He lost to that dog. Oh my god. Oh my god. I don't know if that's some kind of ism you just implied or it is whatever you think it is. All I did was inquire. I did not confirm. I'm in the clear. You just implied Mandem has no balls. Are you can you are you running a live with yourself with that information? Yeah. Those are how does he do those splits? There's got to be some damage down there. Some John Claude Van damage has got to be down there. 
Anyway, I've always wondered about that. Like, that is not easy for a man to do, obviously. So when a man can do it, I have questions. He just pulled it off. He's that good because he's a Van Dam. Mm. Nah. I don't buy it. If he was just that good, he'd have better box office numbers. No, no, that doesn't trend. That doesn't correlate. <laughs> <laughs> no correlation, sir. Apparently. We should do that movie he did with Rodman. <laughs> that would be a fun episode. Oh, I was like, there's definitely actual bad John Con Van Damme's movies we could pick instead of like picking the one that we both liked and has a good following around it. We don't, it's not about the quality of the film. It's about what critics have said is bad. We have covered a lot of films on this show we've enjoyed. It's not up to us, it's up to the critics. Are we saying the critics are wrong a lot? Yeah, that's the whole point of this show. Get with the program, man. No. That's it for fun facts uh, or development, whatever you want to call it. Um, because for my note, production will be smooth, right? Post production will be smooth. And then next, it came out, did pretty well. Um, next, like the critics very much not kind to it. Uh, dull, literally, the three big things I saw were dull, dumb, and just surely not over the top in a good way. One said, I was like, I don't understand how you pull that off. Uh, generally, like generally, generally not over the top in a good way. What does that even mean? I I was so confused when I was. I was like, "What do you mean by that, sir?" It's not over the top enough, or it's too over the top, or is it so over the top it's normal? What What the fuck do you want, guy? What were you watching? What were you expecting here? You think he had like your. You're wondering of John Claude Van Damme's splits, but in like a really creepily aggressive way. Like it just eats at him that he just hates watching him. He's like, how does a man do that? How does he do that? It's just writing him throughout the whole movie. Yeah, I bet there are some critics out there who have personal resentments toward performers or filmmakers or something. They just pour that into their review. I, I do know that's ironic considering how badly been shitting on Steven Seagal. Yes. Justified, in my opinion. Uh, sorry, if you're a massive Steven Seagal fan, I need you to rethink your love for action films. Still, you're a massive Steven Seagal fan. I'm pretty sure you have a lot of other problems too. Yes. <laughs> Still, uh, on that note, uh, it would be enough of a hit of a hit to make it through to have them do five films total in the original, like sequel series of the original main series and then a rebooted movie that did get a sequel and he talks about the one that hasn't come out yet um so box office was enough to warrant it going on for like six seven more films <laughs> with the last two having van dem return as the mentor now to the new character i found out so now he's the wise old forest teacher yes except he's Nothing like learning Muay Thai from a white guy, am I right? Too fly for a white guy. Uh, <laughs> so, Muay Thai from a white guy. Anyway, all right. <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> what if he sets his shop up next to like Jet Li? 
at least teaching like you know kung fu john claude's like better kung fu better kung fu or god fuck what was i i'm mind blanking on um ong buck guy was that tony jaw tony jaw yeah he just sets up a shop next to him he goes you could learn more Thai from him or the white dude tony jaw would feed jean-claude van damme his own fucking balls like he is no that's not even a fight <laughs> no that's why i like dude so like i know we've kind of shit on the franchise because we both not like the ninth film but Furious 7, the one that had Tony Jaw in it. As much as I do really actually enjoy that installment, and I'm glad they actually filmed his fight scenes well, he would have destroyed Paul Walker. That would not have fucking been even, like, a question. He would have annihilated him. All I needed was Ong Bak to know that this guy meant business. And, yeah, I've had nothing but respect for Tony Jaw ever since. Uh... Yeah, he'd kill anybody in, in the Fur- in the Fast and Furious franchise. He'd whoop the shit out of Jean-Claude. I think he'd even kick Jet Li's ass. He's he's the man. Yeah. Don't tell Vin Diesel that. He probably thinks he could take on. I would love to see that fight. I'll pay for the headstone. Can you imagine if they can get Tony John to like a John Wick movie? I don't think that would be a difficult get. But you got Donnie Yen for this upcoming one. So we got we got uh Ip Man. <laughs> That would, you know what? Somebody, somebody tell Keanu. I'm sure he'll get right on that. Oh yeah, and then before that, we got the raid guys in three, and, guys... and we got the Ale Cuisine guy. Don't forget him. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he's working his way through like well-known kung fu cinema greats. Or if he has been talking to Tony Jaw, like, look, I can't get you in the fourth one, but like, we got a fifth one we're filming. He's so cool. Ah, yeah, I love kung fu movies and kickboxer qualifies. I guess it does to an extent. Yeah, um, I think most people consider it kung fu. Just he's a you know white guy. Kung fu always irks me. Yeah, it feels. I mean, technically that is now the John Wick franchise, but that's gun fu. It's a difference. <laughs> no equilibrium is gun fu, and I don't think Keanu. I think he's. Isn't he Hawaiian? Yeah, he's like a he's actually mixed. Yeah, so it's not a white guy. It's he's a whole, too he's from Lebanon. Oh, sweet. Okay. I that's why I'm not bothered. Well, that's just because it's also because it's Kanye Reeves. Like, why would you ever hate on Kanye Reeves? I would not. But I will tell you, as a mixed guy myself, you can tell. You can always tell. I'm I'm glad you can. I'm glad. I also love being able to make these jokes with no repercussions because I am a mixed race guy. I can say whatever I want within reason. I'm not going to. I'm not going to even entertain this conversation. I know because you can't, Gringo. All right, let's do this. I'm going to get so. I want to make this so goddamn terrible if you keep going. I would uh, alienate so many of our fans. <laughs> keep it up. Oh, I I have fun. Needless to say, this film has found its way, obviously, as you can tell by us, and if you just go on IMDb, uh, it's way into the hearts of fans of this type of cinema and is 
to this day considered one of Van Damme's better films. I'm sure it's probably many people's top five, top tens, whatever list they have in their heads for Van Damme. Top five makes sense. Top ten, I think, is a bit much. I don't think that's an unfair statement. I don't know. When I was designed to be, I was like, that, that's, this guy might have more well-known films than I Just than Just because you've heard of them does not mean they're good. Uh, that's exactly what it means. All right. You 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 go watch Time Cop and then tell me how, how good I've it heard is. Time, I've heard Time Cop's good. I've heard it's terrible. Well, that's because you have terrible sources. And there's that one with Rodman we talked about. Like Probably hmm. a good movie. Rodman. Not a good movie. Probably a good movie. Ugh, there's that one he did with himself. Probably a good movie. Actually, I kind of want to see that one. I think it's called Double Impact. He plays twins. Oh, yeah. 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 Nice. But probably good. Actually, I, I've, I've been wanting to see Time Cop. I've heard good things. So, ha. Huh. Do <laughs> you have anything more to add to that very scant quote unquote development hill that I just provided for us this evening? I do not. But I do wish there was more because I bet this was not a smooth production because John Claude is not really known for smooth productions. Dude, I thought I typed it into Google. I looked on Wikipedia. I looked at like nothing. I was like, do I have to own this movie to fucking find out anything? Or is Van Damme doing like PR work online and being like, uh-uh, get rid of that shit. I am considering buying like high-end Blu-rays of everything we do just so we have more sources. Right, like sometimes it's helpful when it's like, oh, I'm picking something that's in my collection because my need to be complete. I do have films that are going very much beyond the show in my collection, and they come with Blu-rays that tell me how the film got made. Yeah, good stuff. Good for us. Yes. But, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got. So unless you got more to add, we can move on to the awards, which it sounds like was a stress for both of us. Actually. I actually kind of had an easy time. So there's some before we get into there's some eighty mannerisms that wow I know we love quite a bit of it. There's some things that should have stayed in the eighties that prop up in movies from time to time, and that's usually what kind of makes sense in my list when it comes to these kind of type of films. Um, so on that note, you'll know more in a second about what I'm talking about. Uh, let's move on to our first one, Zach Snyder. And I got nothing other than like I really hope after the mic drop the MCU drop did yesterday that Black Adam works out for you guys. I really hope. Uh if you're following that meme that's been cycling Facebook that says that Marvel's courting Zack Snyder to do Avengers Secret Wars, I would very much like you to rethink your life and wonder how you could ever think Marvel would be that stupid. So that's that's my hot take for the day. Marvel has a cavalcade of fresh young directors in Phase 4 that they are going to probably go through first before they pick Zack Snyder. You're gonna drop, saw, if you're going to drop the Batman ball, you don't get to work anymore. Yeah, as we saw with the fact that the Shang-Chi director is doing King Dynasty, that tells me, oh, they're looking at their new people to do this Avenger stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what my... My Zack Snyder award goes to a scene that I am uh, respectfully calling Jean-Claude Van Dance. Because inexplicably, <laughs> between the training and the big fight, we have a bit where Jean-Claude gets toasted and does a little 
little little dance, shakes his shakes his booty in some bar, and it goes on for quite a while. And I was I was kind of waiting for like, when is this going to be over? And then it kept going, and I'm like, is this is this gonna is this padding out the runtime? Like, why are we watching Jean Claude gr- shake his groove thing in the middle of this kung fu movie? So, yeah, I had to. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is I. It's almost like, even though he didn't direct it, he was like, I want this scene. Let the American audience must see me dance. My fans must see my moves outside of my fist. I'm just picturing him pleading, like, I am more than just a fist. I am a beautiful human being. As he's, like, ripping his shirt off randomly. (laughs) I am more than a a person to fight for you. (laughs) I can dance. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, that's what I went with. I did have, before that, I had a runner-up, and it was towards the beginning of the movie. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say that. No, I don't want to step on your toes. Yeah, how about you not step on my toes, sir? I, I was about to be like, good, he didn't pick mine. What's? Well, it might have been my second choice. Let's see what you got. Mine is a random ass scene that if you take it out, changes nothing, and I don't know why it's in this movie. And that is when you randomly get a shot of uh, Van... I was about to say Stallone. Van Damme sitting in the hospital room with his brother in a realtor. There's a nurse and a doctor. And randomly, unprompted, he rolls the realtor back, grabs the nurse's ass. They laugh it off, and she walks out. And then the scene cuts off. It goes to the next scene. And I'm like, I, I, okay, I know I just said 80s were 80s, essentially. But holy shit, you could have like just not had that scene. Yeah, it's quite a lot of just casual sexual harassment in the 80s. It's always played for laughs. That hasn't aged well. No, it's a, as a scene that hasn't aged well. It's like that, especially because, like, again, it'd be one thing if, like, you know what I mean? It's like when you, it's tough as they all watch, like a rape revenge film. It's tough as those are as hard to watch, right? Because you got, there's going to be rape. It's being in the film. We all know it going to these films. But then there's the revenge part, right? There's the catharsis. This was literally like unprompted, didn't need it. It's like a two minute scene, maybe less. Literally nothing changes if you take it out. It's already an hour and 37 minute movie. So what's one minute of not having this? And it was like, why? Why? And it's like, you just assaulted. Essentially, you harassed a nurse and we're just going, ha, 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 ha. Look at what I did. Yeah, that's that's in pretty bad taste. Interesting pick. Yeah, and it has more to do with that character, which we'll see a running theme with some of my awards. Go on. Well, it wasn't my... Um, that was not on my uh, radar. My second uh, pick was um, towards the beginning after, he find, after uh, Kurt finds out his brother's paralyzed and he decides to go, go for a soul-searching walk through Bangkok. Well, fight for love starts playing, and you're, and it's just like the quintessential '80s sad time montage. He's just like, you know, give me a sign. I need to know what I have to do. Well, Stan Bush, just you know, this is the guy who wrote "You Got the Touch" from Transformers. Like, I knew that voice as soon as it came on. <laughs> like, he does all the songs in this. 
And yeah, it was just like, really, we're going to do this. This is actually happening. But then the the dance scene came on and I'm like, oh, no, we got a winner here. <laughs> no winner here. Hey, I actually really like Stan Bush's music in this movie. I'm like, God damn, he is committing to this movie. I'm not saying I don't like Stan Bush. I just it, it represents so much fucking cheese that I can't help but laugh at it. Like yeah. I've got, the, I've got the touch on on my iPod. I love that song. That's a motivational song. Every time I think of that song now, thanks for Boogie Nights. I just think of Mark Robert. I got the touch. Same. I yeah. It's yeah. Boogie Nights completely took that away from Transformers. <laughs> but you know, never surrender. That's still that's still his. Yeah. Hey, I, like I said, anytime I heard him come on, I'm like, holy shit, this is so 80s, but god damn it, if I don't love it. <laughs> I miss the, you know, walking around after something sad happened, 80s music. Like, we don't hear, nah, that's gone. I want that back. I want to, I want that, that, that subgenre back. Those songs were always so terrible, but also, like, you, you never forgot them. Everything about that thing just left cinema. Like, no one soul searches anymore after, like, a bad moment in and film like they did in the 80s like oh no i must go search search my life <laughs> yeah ah the 80s oh 80s all right well good pick i think i had a good pick uh let's move on to the ed wood the worst line which i admittedly was kind of difficult for me to come up with one, but i how oh, i felt something quick a lot of oh, i went with uh, mostly delivery on this because Dennis Alexio, while definitely has the build of a fighter, not quite a great actor. And when you're up against John Claude and you're the one who's standing out with your bad performance, that is saying something. So I went with uh, when he's trying to convince his brother not to do the fight and he goes, Tong Po is a killer, Kurt. Wake up. It's like, that's the conviction. Like your brother's about to go in the ring with the guy who almost killed you. And you're like, Come on, you have to stop this. You can't do this fight. <laughs> it's so fucking stilted. You just don't buy any of it. Well, and then like, I don't know if it was like he was dubbed or something, but his his sound mix was so weird compared to everyone else. It's like the most like driest American accent you can think of. I'm like, is is he American? Uh born in like... California. Uh, but he was dubbed over. I remember reading that. I just couldn't really find why. <laughs> Yeah, I was watching because, you know, I've, you know, I know you've seen it too. I've, you know, recent, more and more recent years immersed myself quite a bit into the Italian horror scene of the 70s and 80s. So I've been able to really, I've, that just like you said with your little mixed race thing earlier, I have been able to easily detect when they're dubbing something because there is a distinct uh, difference in the in the sound quality when they dub. And especially because, as you know, for those who don't know, in those, a lot of those Italian films, they didn't just dub the Italian actors so they could market it as an American film. I'm not going to get into it. We have plenty of episodes on, especially from Josh, who really loves this stuff. But um, it wasn't just the Italian act; They would dub the American actors who spoke English in the fucking movie. So every actor was dubbed, and you can tell. It's it's funny, really. It's honestly funny. It does create a lot of the drama to those Italian horror films. But... um. That's why it's like when I was watching, I was like, is he dubbed? Because it's like an immediate thing for me because I've watched those films now. I've just been like, he has to be fucking dubbed. This does not sound right. 
I don't know how it worked for the uh, for the Giallos, but I know for spaghetti westerns, I know what um, Sergio Leone would do a lot of times is he'd have everybody act in their own native language, and then overdub with English actors, like for the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, Clint Eastwood's obviously just speaking English, but Eli Wallach is dubbed over, and Lee Van Cleef, and it's like it creates this weird atmosphere. I want to say the GLs did the same thing. The only difference was like, like I said, they even dubbed the fucking American actors. Yeah. When it was like they they spoke English in your movie that you're trying to make it seem like it was made in fucking America. Why yeah. did you dub the English actors? Hilarious, especially when you get like a shitty dub. Somebody just didn't care, and they're just like the conviction is so gone. And I just I hate that, but also like it just makes me laugh. It it to me one of the things I've grown to really like love about that the, the Italian style of filmmaking and I think why that's ha- it ha- it's like its own charm right whereas the spaghetti westerns obviously were like Leone or like you know the giallo films of Argento and Fulci and uh, Bava and whatnot it's created like a weird charm to their movies where it's like he, he you know I know again we've talked about I know we've talked about quite a bit me and Josh when we did Cruel Jaws um. But you know, it's just it's, it creates a drama, right? It's like because it's clearly them, and it's it's they've been very upfront about them. May not necessarily Argento, but some of those guys trying to just make an American film and thinking that it would get past us. Like, oh, if we just dub everyone, yeah. put an undescribed town into this, they'll think it's Americans. Like, no, it's very clearly Italian, especially when the credits roll. You have all these Italian names popping up but then the director's family not italian <laughs> it's like it reminds me of like you know tommy wiseau in the room where he's like you know i'm making a real american movie like if you have to say that you're not <laughs> yeah <laughs> just make a movie doesn't matter but if you're gonna try to force that we can always tell yeah it yeah it's it's funny um but again I do think there's a charm to it, and in a weird way, same here. With them feeling the need to dub an American, an American speaking English in the damn movie, like you don't have to. If you dub him in a different language, I would get it, but you're literally just having him re-say the lines that he already said in the same language. Okay. Exactly. What do you got? Uh, mine is also a line from good old Dennis Alexio, and that's just because. I just absolutely hate his cockiness at the beginning of this movie, like with a passion. Um, and that's when he gets the 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 hooker and takes her back to the hotel. And Van Dam, he was clearly smarter. He's like, "Hey, be careful! You know, she's probably gonna want your money or whatever. You got money to pay her." Because he's thinking, "Yeah, you just picked up a hooker. She won't get paid." Um, his response, I I don't. No, if hooker's a bad word now or not, I, I can't keep up anymore. So I want to assume it's still okay to say that. Um, but he responds in like the most like um the most like bigoted, ignorant American way you can think of. She doesn't want my money. She wants the champ. <laughs> I'm like you clearly don't know how sex work. The sex, the the sex worker industry works here, buddy. She doesn't care who the fuck you are. She wants her money. That is, yeah. He is such a prick. The first half of this, not, well, like not the first half, like the first twenty minutes. But 
I guess that's just to make you not feel that bad when he gets his spine fucking crushed. Uh, I had a follow-up one. Um, I almost went with, I don't remember the exact details, but he's like being interviewed by the media about like, Hey, what do you, you know, what, what do you think about the champs in, in, in Thailand who are, you know, where, where Muay Thai comes from? And he's like, Oh, Bangkok, like Tokyo, it doesn't matter. I kick ass everywhere. I'm like, Oh, dude. Yeah. This guy was something fucking special in the first part of the movie. You cocky American asshole. Yes, and that, I think that's why I picked the sign. Just to me, it surprised that, especially, you know, obviously in America, you know, prostitution is probably one of the most frowned upon things in America. You know, it's like the one of the oldest fucking industries we have. Um, but in a lot of other countries, they don't give as much of a shit. You know what I mean? Like they, it's just a, it's just another job you do. And so a lot of Americans will go. Um, don't ask me how I know this. I'm, will not divulge my secrets. Um, but a lot of Americans will go to these countries and obviously want to partake because it's a lot more accepted, right? In places like Japan, Bangkok, very much accepted there. Um, obviously the red light district, everybody knows about Amsterdam, right? So a lot of people go there. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're fucking just goddamn Joe, you know, Jim Bob from Kentucky, or here LeBron James. After you fuck them, they want their money seems like the kind of guy to beat the shit out of a hooker for asking for money. This is not the first time he's figured, you know, champion dick is a proper currency. So, yeah, he's going to do whatever he's going to do, and Kurt's going to fucking watch because that's what he does. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it. it's like they forget that uh, they're not doing this necessarily because they enjoy it. Not saying there aren't people in this profession that do enjoy you know the sexual liberation in their eyes for it. I'm not. I'm, I'm not here to pass judgment at all. That's not what I'm doing. If you if you generally enjoy doing this, you enjoy doing it. Okay. Um, but like anything where it's this or being a fucking stripper or you know insert any kind of sex industry work at all, then day, it's like any other job. You're doing it to get paid to make money. So yeah, they're going to want their money regardless of who you are because that's how it pays their bills. I'd be way more pissed if I got stiffed in this in this profession than like just you know working construction or something. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, that's why I picked that line. Uh, just kind of a lot of layers and we were ready that I actually didn't think about until we talked about it. Um, I had no backup. That was it. So unless we have more backups, we can move on to our Steven Seagal. I wonder if it's the same person. Let's find out. Worst performance. What do you got? Dennis Alexio. Yep, we picked the same person. So I'm, I was genuinely surprised at how good Jean Claude was in this movie. He his, English, his English isn't great. His delivery is a little stilted sometimes, but he he commits. Yeah, he 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 actually cried in the scene, and I was like, oh damn, yeah, ocean man tears in the '80s. That's weird. <laughs> Hypermasculinity was a real thing in the '80s, man. You didn't cry. Schwarzenegger never cried, god damn it. Nope. Until, you know, 2010s, we started making dramas. They cried. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Stallone did cry, actually. Watch Rambo. First Blood, he's crying in that amazing speech. I'm not going against that now, but god damn, that speech is great. But uh, this guy is just, it's the stilted delivery, it's the weird overdub, 
It's the just lack of compassion. Just a terrible douchebag character. And yeah, I just I didn't like him. I was kind of hoping uh what's his name? Uh Tong Po was gonna just, you know, kill his ass. But again, I guess somebody said, you know, Rocky Four, and everyone kind of backed off it. <laughs> so Rocky Four. <laughs> I, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head, but I, I'm the same way. It's, it was, you know, yeah, you know, I'm not saying John Claude Van Damme's an amazing actor. He was an amazing performance wise in this, but you could tell, and I'm sure it's true in other films he's done, he is trying. He is committing as hard as he can to it. You know what I mean? To his credit, he is giving it his all. Um, even if the accent and stuff causes some stilted dialogue moments. Um, yeah, but I don't want to fault anybody for, you know, acting outside of their native language that's just not fair yeah that's why i say like i i can forgive like it's i've said it before i can forgive they're doing their job and they're trying and that's what van dam is doing he's doing his job and he's trying so i can't fault him for that at all this guy it's like i said it's stiff the dubs in a movie that no one else is dubbed in that's another thing okay at least like to the italian's credit it was we're dubbing everyone or no one there was no middle ground it's Everyone gets the treatment or no one at all. Um, in this one, it was no one else is getting dubbed but you, even though we are all speaking English and so are you. So, yeah, it's a weird dub decision. And then, yeah, you ha- he's the biggest fucking prick. I get it. You want to make someone you're trying to make this guy cocky. Like, that is the point. He is cocky. He thinks he's hot shit. But there's no redemptive arc when he does live and come back and comes back into the picture for mm-hmm. us to kind of forgive and go like, okay, well, he's had his redemption. He's, he's learned the error of his ways. No, we get the, like I said, that random scene where he touched fucking nurse's ass. I'm like, Oh no, he's still a fucking prick. He's still going to be the same old guy. He's just in a wheelchair now. Yeah. Um, now, now he's just easier to get away from. I just, I just clicked on what you said. Um, so I'm with you. I personally, they should have just killed his ass. Like I think Tong Po should have. That should have been like, and that says something. I'll get into in my next award. I'm not. So I don't want to get into it too much here, but it would have made the threat greater. I'll leave it at that. Outside of Tong Po, if they had just went ahead and committed to like killing him, and then that's the driving force for Van Dam to be like, I have to get my revenge. Never surrender. I agree. Yeah, the stakes. I mean, somebody's gonna you know break your brother's spine. You're gonna want a pound of flesh. I get that, but if the guy's okay, <laughs> doesn't seem to be that broken emotionally by this. I'm, I'm not saying let it go, but you know, maybe don't commit to learning the entire art of Muay Thai. <laughs> maybe just get a gun. I mean, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I think they, some higher stakes probably would have been better. Yeah, yeah. Um, they would have, but before I get too into that, let's go ahead because it's part of my next board anyway. Uh, let's get into the Michael Bay then, the worst filmmaking decision. What did you come up with? Speaking of stakes, <laughs> uh, we already have great, mo- like, you know, decent motivation here. Kurt's brother's paralyzed. By this prick who's like, I am the baddest motherfucker in Bangkok. Don't you fuck with me. 
And he learns the art, you know, the ancient art of Muay Thai from this guy in the woods and becomes the white warrior. Just a little on the nose, I thought. But on top of that, do we need his girlfriend to get raped by the bad guy, too? I mean, that came out of nowhere, um, amounted to nothing, was not the spark he needed at the end to, like, kick the guy's ass. That was seeing his brother alive. So there's no point to this. It's just unnecessarily cruel. So I would have completely cut that out and just not gone there. Yeah, it... It was a weird decision. It almost flew by, by me. I was watching it. He said the dialogue. I went, uh-huh. And then like a minute, I was like, wait, oh my God. Why did we put that? It was like a minute of me kind of sitting there and then me like, holy shit, why did we put that in the movie? I was like, why was that put into the movie? It did not need to be put in the movie. Yeah, it was horrible. I mean, we already hate this guy. We don't need that too. I And like I said, you know, it. there's no like cathartic moment either. It's just, you know, Jean-Claude just screams, no, and then he sees his brother and he's like, all right. And then he starts kicking ass. So it was just, it's just mean and cruel and gross and uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it comes out of nowhere, really. It's, and this actually kind of feeds greatly into mine filmmaking decision, which is that for those who probably don't know at this point. Tong Po apparently is part of a larger criminal organization in this movie that never feels like that much of a threat throughout this entire film. So it's almost like, and that was my thing, was like having your criminal organization just not feel like that much of a threat, right? That's what I put. So it almost feels like as if they had to, they were, they, they were doing this movie and they went, oh shit, this organization kind of isn't, we didn't make it the most threatening, threatening thing ever. You know what? Let's have Tong Po rape her off camera. It's like, Maybe not the decision. Maybe excise rape and just make your criminalization more threatening, or I don't know, just get rid of it. Like, you clearly weren't committing to it. Well, I mean, we've seen in, you know, past episodes of this show, i.e., Daredevil, what happens when you don't throw the fight that the mob tells you to throw. People die. So this movie does not have a happy ending. After they go outside, they're going to get gunned down by like the fucking triads or whoever these guys are. They're not going to let this go. They humiliated their big fighter. That one dude lost a million dollars of the boss's money and got kicked in the face. Like there are slights <laughs> to be righted here. I, I love how like Van Damme takes out the guy and then he just comes over to stand by him like fucking mouth agape and Van Damme just finishes his kick on him. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know we get that '80s ending where everyone celebrates, but when when that's over, they're all gonna die. Every single one of them. Yep, all of them. Everyone they know. No one's coming home. This is yeah. I think that's actually what happens in Kickboxer too, because I saw in the synopsis that like Kurt's dead. So yeah, it's some other. It's like their brother they didn't talk about. There's a third brother. And he's the kickboxer for like the next three movies. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it it's really weird. Like it just you could tell they weren't fully committed to this criminal organization aspect, and it never comes together. And apparently, I guess they had to find a way to work into that into the sequels. Yeah, they had the sequels are all, you know criminal organizations and 
somehow need to be solved by some kickboxing. I, I don't know. I don't ask questions when it's a franchise that big. Most of them are probably going to suck. Probably. So, yeah, interesting in a way that we kind of had, like, the yin and the yang, a verse from making a decision. It, it fed into one another. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So on that note, let's do something that was probably easy for both of us because we both really liked this film. Silver lining, uh, the positives. What was a positive you put down? So after, uh, the brother, Eric, is revealed to be a okay, and he's like, "Hey, Kurt," because Kurt heard that over the roar of the crowd, and gave a thumbs up. Kurt fucks Pongpo up and it is so satisfying to see him just give it to this asshole and just whoop him in like five minutes it's it's very satisfying to see this guy go down and uh it was a great great fight and then the, you know the icing on the cake of just kicking freddie lee in the face so that whole bit the whole ending i i was i was glued it was like the end of rocky where the music swells and he kicks ass Okay, yeah, yeah, no, I'm actually with you. I put both that scene and then the, the actual after the dance, but the bar fight scene afterwards when he's like drunk and bar fighting. I have both those on my um silver lining, just the fight scenes and the choreography, and both is outstanding. Um, yeah, yeah, like you said, for the climactic one, it's um satisfying. You're like, you're seeing him like take these hits, he's trying to just play along to keep his brother alive, and then he goes. Somehow hears his brother over the crowd and is like, oh, okay, good, good. He's alive. We got him out. Now I'm going to fuck this guy up. I almost put the scene where Winston shows up with a machine gun and like takes out the bad guys and saves uh, the mentor guy. And then he's like silhouetted in the win- in the doorway like a goddamn hero. <laughs> like, this is so cheesy, but I'm on board. <laughs> I'm in. You got my movie. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of scenes like that that are just great. Like when he's a uh, when he summons the strength to actually kick down the, the tree. Like, that was uh, hardcore. Yeah, especially when you see his leg afterwards, you're like, oh, that, that looked painful. You felt every one of those hits. Like, eesh. I wonder if yeah. he... I wouldn't put it past Jean-Claude. I mean, I'm sure somebody loosened that tree. Probably. But maybe he kicked that tree down. You know what seemed, like, painful to me when, like, the the, men, uh, the teacher is, like, stretching his legs out? Oh, like the first time when you can just hear every little noise, I'm just, just like, oh god, stop it! Yeah, I kept expecting him to like lose his grip on the machine, and it just like swung his legs open, and his nutsack just ripped open. That's what it felt like was going to happen. Thankfully, no, because I'm sure that was you know Tuesday to Jean Claude. I'm sure that didn't hurt in the slightest. Much different movie if all of a sudden just and just this tear noise and you just hear screaming and the rest of the movie's like him trying to get back from that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. The image that pops in my head the moment you said that, like, God damn. Yeah, there's you don't want to see a nutsack get ripped open, trust me. All right, it's on that note, if there's Unless you got anything else, we had pretty much the same server lines, which is like, I mean, the fight scenes are yeah, really awesome. Scene. I'm not going to kickboxer for the drama. I'm here to see some kickboxing. I mean, sue me. <laughs> what if someone's like, I came here for the trauma, damn it. 
there's probably some asshole out there who's like, this movie did not make me cry, therefore it's not good. Like, you sound fun. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that was a relatively easy silver lining to do. So let's close off the awards for those movies that should not have been hated by critics, and let's move on to what's in the box. I am proud to say Showgirls has finally been dethroned as the highest scored letterboxed film we have covered on this show. Kickboxer has a 3.1 out of five stars. So that's now the highest film, the highest uh, scored film we've touched this on this show thus far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is good because I'm tired of bringing up Showgirls. I hated that movie. At least it's something that deserves it. <laughs> All right. I got five uh, reviews here that I thought were pretty funny. And I think uh, you will, too. Okay. This first one's from Greek Critic. Sometimes in your life, you just need Jean-Claude Van Damme overreacting for an hour and 38 minutes. Three stars. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Bit of an overreaction. I've never had anything happen to me where I'm like, I need to learn a very disciplined style of martial arts in order to get my revenge yeah like, as I, I said earlier i would just get a gun <laughs> no kickboxers bulletproof that's that's a fact jesus christ <laughs> oh. this next one is from kevin clark and this made me laugh way longer than it probably should have because it's stupid lives up to its name it is indeed about a kickboxer Two stars. Nothing gets past you, Kevin. <laughs> Watch the Avengers Endgame. It was indeed the end game. Turns out there are indeed ghosts in Ghostbusters. Yeah. There was a Saw and Saw. But there was not two in Saw 2. <laughs> you could do this with every movie ever and it would still be funny. I wanted I should have checked this guy's like review like history. I wonder if he's done this. Like, is that his thing? Does he just yeah? Kanye Reeves was indeed playing John Wick in John Wick. They really do go into the Matrix in the Matrix. It's quite a significant part of the film, actually. <laughs> in Beetlejuice, they do encounter a guy named Beetlejuice, so they're not lying. And the hills have eyes. The hills indeed have eyes. <laughs> Turns out the shark does have jaws. So four stars. <laughs> this is this is great. <laughs> Friday 13th. I found out takes place on Friday 13th. Good job. You'll never guess what I found out about Halloween. <laughs> there is a nightmare happening on Elm Street. Oh that chainsaw massacre did happen in Texas. This, this is endless. We could do this for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Kevin, for giving me that. <laughs> All right, moving on. God. <laughs> this is from Mr. James 72. I always think, yeah, if I do some more sit-ups, I could be like Van Damme. And then I remember that one time I dislocated my shoulder while laying in bed. <laughs> Doesn't matter anyways, because it turns out I dance exactly fucking like him. Four stars. <laughs> 
yeah we all were like i could probably do that and then nah i don't even have to dislocate my shoulder in bed i have to get up off my couch and immediately i'm like oh i cannot do that when i hear the pop happen to my knees i'm like oh nope yeah you get winded touching your toes you're not gonna be a kickboxer <laughs> the ideal of sometimes like going to the store after i get home and i forgot something pains me enough to make me know like yeah no i can't do this like i have Mental anguish. If I'm like, oh, I forgot something. Do I want to? Oh, no, I don't want to go to the store. No, no, nope. I'm home. I want to sit on that couch and do nothing. Yeah, you're not learning Muay Thai. <laughs> All right. This next one's from Frank's Wild Years. <laughs> Love how JCVD just big dicks his brother when he says he's a better fighter than him after training for like three months and backs it up by not getting paralyzed. Three and a half stars. <laughs> he does just casually mention, like, I can beat him. You can't. It's like he's been doing this his whole life. You just learned this shit. And then he and then he backs it up. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I just saw that. I was like, yeah, he does. He throws that in his face, and you're thinking, oh, he's gonna get his ass kicked. Now does he hold does he is he able to keep on trucking after like numerous rounds of getting his ass kicked to try to throw the fight? He then just goes, oh god. Finally, I know my brother's life. I'm going to kill him now, and just absolutely annihilates him in like five minutes. I half expected him to like run off with that same hooker and just leave, like leave Eric outside in the hallway. So that's the same line. No, she doesn't want money. She wants the champ. Yep, just in a slightly more Belgian voice. Like complete shift. Now Eric's holding the towel, and Kurt's fucking the horse. So you know, always right with the world. I love the expression to big dick somebody. <laughs> that is a great expression. And I'm my, taking that with me. My favorite expression. I got this when I was like marathoning Game of Thrones before the God Awful season eight. Um, and I, I, me and my buddy would make jokes about like Jon Snow just throwing his dick on the table anytime he did like a big dick energy move. I was like, my phrase was like, oh, look, he's putting their dick on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Which is this. Coincidentally, what the MCU did last night for Deadpool 3. Yep. They took out its scabby, Deadpool, wrinkly, huge dick and just threw it on the table. And then Hugh Jackman chopped it in half with his claws. And then it regrew. Any questions? Yeah, that's a power move right there. I'm not going to fuck with anyone who takes their dick out and puts it on the table. That that guy's not afraid of anything. That's something Jean-Claude Van Damme would do in the 80s anyway. After a roundhouse kick for no reason. Just so people know he can still do it. I bet he does that a lot. He's like splits and roundhouses just to show everyone that like he's still Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, and this last one just to me encapsulated exactly what this show is about. It's from Ash. Must a movie be good? Is it not enough to see JCVD spin kick the shit out of people and scream to an inspiring 80s soundtrack? Three stars. You're goddamn right, Ash. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ash. Yeah, stop being so hateful. Like, look, I, no, I don't know anyone who with a sense of 
good actual right mind goes in going, I can't wait to get award-winning action from Tracy VD in this movie. <laughs> you go in going, I can't wait for a committed performance from this man and some pretty kick-ass action scenes. Let's see how it plays out. I have never gone to an action movie looking for performance. If I get some, great. That's awesome. But it's not expected. Yeah, it's like when I watch my slasher or my torture porn films. I'm not saying going, God, I can't wait for great acting. I'm still going, no, give me the goods. And if, hey, someone does acts real guns for me, sweet bonus. But some of the, some of the gore. Never surrender. Can't help it. <laughs> I love it. Aww. Well, that's what's in the box. Quite a lot of love. It's actually hard to find some bad ones on Letterboxd. This is a, it's a decent flick. Yeah. Even on the IMDb, when I was looking up, you know, the fun facts, a lot of people on their reviews, I, I saw on the, Blows talking about how it's like their favorite or one of their top five JCVD. Like it's a lot of love for this one. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, I will probably end up buying this. I'd watch this again. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so with that, with that, it's been a while since we had a film on here that we like we both like highly liked. We're like, why is it yeah hated? Thank Christ. We need, we need one of these every now and again. Yeah, yes, we do. Because, oh, do we need it going to next month? I, I'll get into it in a minute. First, before I get into uh, next month and the start of a fun season, um, let's uh, talk about the social media stuff. So, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. If you want to show us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate and support us in that way, you can find us on Anchor. And finally, feel free to go on our site, filmgasm.com, for reviews, shows, articles, and all of our episodes. And also, real quick, uh, this will be coming on Friday, as a lot of people know. Hurricane Ian is coming through, so for those in Florida, you know, wish you guys, you know, wish everyone the best of luck. Hope you know, I know it's been hitting Florida pretty bad as we record, so you know, heart go out to people that you know are dealing with that right now. Hope you are able to move forward relatively quickly. Stay safe out there and do what you can to get to safety. It's yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Just want to throw that out before we uh, do that real quick and line the mood up. So, you know, yeah, stay safe, you know, you know, be safe out there. Um, With that, let's get into next week, what we're doing. So as a lot of people know, next week will be our first episode for October. It's really technically been spooky season for me since September, but October is obviously when everyone gets on board this train. So there'll be nothing but, Horror movies. I was going to say awesome. This is beyond bad. Horror <laughs> movies on this show for the month. And we are kicking it off at an original horror film called The Bye Bye Man. The originals being generous there. But uh, yeah, The Bye Bye Man. I remember the trailer for this and thinking this is this is stupid. <laughs> This will be interesting. I watched this film once and it was painful and I'm doing it again. Yeah. Didn't I have to deal with that recently on one of our episodes? It was like a movie. Polar. Yeah. Polar. Same, same deal. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. this will be better. Probably not though. Oh no, this is going to be bad. This is a bad movie. This is really bad. Oh, really bad. Um, but yeah, that's what we're doing there. Um, we're continuing this very love we talked about for the holiday season on Filmgasm. We'll be looking at the solid, absolutely bonkers, insane sequel, Hellbound, 
Hellraiser 2. Yes, indeed. And I really don't like that, you know, subtitle before the main title shit that some movies do. Yes. I think Tremors did that shit. And I was like, Aftershocks, Tremors 2. And I was like, God damn it. Mm-hmm. Or it could have been Tremors 2, Aftershocks. I think it's just the way they put it on the, the poster was weird. None of that Lost World Jurassic Park bullshit. No, no, no. Jurassic Park, The Lost World, Hellraiser 2, Hellbound. But I digress. I will be talking more about this on Wednesday. It really bugs you. It doesn't bug me as much, but okay. On uh, on Oscar Sunday, they'll be looking at a 1952 American Western. Which, um, hopefully a title doesn't piss you off as much as Hellbound, Hellraiser 2 does. <laughs> uh, Viva Zapata with an exclamation mark. What pisses me off about this is the fact that they cast a white guy as a Mexican hero. So we're going to talk a lot about uh, misrepresentation and the careers of Marlon Brando and Anthony Quinn. It's going to be an interesting episode. They cast. Oh god! Again, when I when I when I do this, I just try to see what the movie like type of film it is, so I can actually say that I don't dig yeah. too deep in the Wikipedia. Mar- and I, I didn't read that part. <laughs> Marlon Brando was cast as Mexican revolutionary Emiliano Zapata and Anthony Quinn, who actually is Mexican-American, was cast as his sidekick. So, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you guys will get into that. I, that just angers me. Uh, until then, when deciding to enter a kickboxing tournament in Bangkok, run by some sort of criminal organization, apparently make sure you also learn the art of Muay Thai. See y'all next week on Beyond the Bed. Never surrender.